Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Bee Mom's Lead Show. I'm so refreshed and excited. Last um, on the on the weekend on Saturday, the walk with purpose, just stop it walk went very well. Um, today, I have to say to you that this week we're going to be sh- I'm going to be sharing stories of survival all week. And hoping to bring some inspiration and hope for the scorned woman. So the name of the series is going to be called, or is called, A Story of Survival. Inspiration and Hope for the Scorned Woman. Before I begin, I would like to bring to your attention that according to research, women attempt to leave an abusive relationship on average at least seven times before actually succeeding and making a permanent decision to not return. Now, let me begin sharing the story of a woman named Roia Atmar. This story is published in The Guardian, the Australian special edition by Melissa Daly, and it's called The Most Dangerous Time. Five women tell their stories of leaving an abusive relationship. Israel's story. My family never knew about the abuse until I was in the hospital because my ex would portray me as the best thing on the planet that happened to him, that he loved and adored me, and we had a perfect family. So that's what everybody thought, and he never left me alone with anyone, so I couldn't talk to them. I was also quite outspoken as a child. So people thought if something was wrong, I would speak up. We were married for uh, for about five years. He was quite controlling from the moment we met. But the abuse really started after I had my first child. And it just escalated from there and got worse. I had no idea I had the option of leaving. I got married at 14 and came to Australia from Afghanistan. About three days later... So I had no family or friends here. The only people I was allowed contact with was his family. I wasn't allowed to go to school and have a job. And the story he was feeding me and the children was he could do anything he wanted to us because he was the one working, the husband, and paying the bills, even though we were on Centrelink. And this is something that they have in Australia. I guess like a welfare system. I had no idea police would get involved and care or anybody else would care. If I knew I had the option, I would have left a long time ago. That was one of the main reasons I did not attempt leaving him. When I found out I could leave, it was after he tried to kill me and I was in the hospital. But when I had found out, I made, but when I find out, I made up my mind and never went back. I was in the hospital and my family thought something wasn't right. By this time, my mother, brother, and uncle were living in Australia. They spoke with a hospital social worker who told them the story my then husband was telling them about how I was burned. 
He told hospital staff that my scarf had caught on fire while I was warming myself, as I'm a Muslim. What he actually did was pour turpentine on me and set me on fire. My family got the hospital social worker to come and talk to me. But when he talked to me, my ex was there. He was there all the time. And he would only leave the hospital after I fell asleep, even though he had his own room in another unit. He would speak for me if anyone asked me questions. Asked me questions. He lied, telling them he had to be in the room according to our religion. The social worker told him he, told him he only wanted to talk to me about my children, and he would come to talk to him as well, and eventually convince him to leave my room. But he was watching me through the window. Luckily, the social worker realized, and he got up, shut the blinds, and then asked me if I needed help. I said even if I did need help, there was nothing he could do. I told him if my husband became suspicious, he would kill me or get someone from his family to take my kids back to Afghanistan and I would never see them again. The social worker told me he would get the police to talk to me and tell me exactly what my rights were. A police officer came and explained what a restraining order was and how police could help me go through the family courts and arrange for my mother to take care of the children while I was in the hospital. I didn't believe her. I didn't know there was such a thing as a family court to help people like me. Then my mom rang and said, I have your kids. It was the first time I realized, oh God, somebody cares. The police really are helping me. My mom told me to tell her exactly what happened. And when I told her, she didn't go to my ex to get his side of the story. She trusted what I said and told me how we were going to make a plan together and what she would do then and there, to help me. It was then I decided I was not going back, ever. I gave my statement to police, and we had an intervention order taken out against him. And he was sentenced to 12 years in prison, though he was eligible for parole after five. For a while, my family and I did move to another state. But I realized I didn't want my daughter's especially to think that we had done something wrong, that we were being forced to move. Western Australia was home to me. It had been since I was 14, so we came back. I have a restraining order still in place and a lot of security in my house. A lot of partner homicides happen when women try to leave, and it's not easy to, an easy decision to make. I would encourage women to put a lot of support in place and make a safe plan for themselves before they leave and find out what agencies are there to help them. But I think the responsibility falls on the community as a whole, not just refuge staff or social workers or police. We must believe women. She knows the situation best. Understanding and trusting women is one of the most important things society can offer to create safety for a woman and help make her decision to leave that bit easier. I now celebrate where I am at in life. I've accomplished all the things that I wanted to do, and I'm very proud of all I have done since I left my ex, and I'm very proud of my children and our family.
I feel safe now, and I feel secure. Roria Atmar is fulfilling a job with Patricia Giles, with the Patricia Giles Center in Western Australia, which provides emergency accommodation and support to women and children. When she was hospitalized 20 years ago, for three months after after the, her husband doused her in turpentine and set her on fire, this is something that she was inspired to do after she got out. She suffered horrific injuries, but um, when it was in the hospital when she realized for the first time that she could leave her abuser, as I, as I read in the story, and thanks to vigilance and, uh, of the staff and support of her family, she was able to get out. She says she's received an excellent report from police and social workers and that it is possible to find happiness after abuse. Raising children while enduring domestic abuse or a toxic relationship has traumatic effects for children and it causes psychological issues for you as well as them. Don't try to do this alone. Get some help. It's easier said than done. Trust me, I know firsthand. You can go to womenslaw.org and type in your state to view resources by state or county. You can also call the 24-7 hotline, 24 hours, 7 day a week hotline, uh, National Domestic Abuse Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. Again, that's 1-800-799-SAFE or 1-800-799-7233. Or you can call the Hearing Impaired Line 1-800-787-3224. Again, that is 1-800-787-3224. Also, I want to bring attention to two nonprofit organizations that are providing support, actually actually three, that are providing support and advocating against domestic violence. One is in Newark, New Jersey, Sona Social Services. They have a Facebook page, and you can also call Sona Social Services, Inc., that's the correct name for them, at 862-234-9430. They are also on Instagram. Again, their number is 862-234-9430. There is another organization in New Jersey called Hijab Inc. You can go to their page on uh, Facebook, Hijab Inc., and on Instagram, Hijab Inc. Love. And the third organization I want to bring attention to is in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, called My Sister's Haven. And they are on Facebook, My Sister's Haven, and on Instagram, My Sister's Haven Corp. And their phone number is 215-791-4508. Again, that is 215-791-4508. I hope that the story that I shared with you this morning was a story of inspiration and hope. If you are in that position uh, or in an abusive relationship and are undecided as to how to get out and that you won't wait until it's too late or until you've gotten in the situation that Roia was in, in the hospital after her husband had set her on fire. This is serious. And I just pray that you get the strength that you need to make that decision to get out and to be safe. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Be Mom's Lead Show. Peace, love, and hijab. Check y'all later.